I love this quote from Kerry Newhoff. It's on the screen. The paradox of our age is that we have never been more connected as a culture, and we've never felt more alone. So we have more connections, but we lack community. We have more connections through Facebook and Instagram and WhatsApp and Twitter, but we have no community. We have global connectivity. You can get the latest news from Tokyo in seconds. I can FaceTime my family in the UK in an instant. So we have connections, but we lack community. Uh, Living in Sydney, we are surrounded by people. There are people everywhere. And yet there's this epidemic of loneliness. I'm not talking about COVID restrictions. Even before that, there's this aching in our hearts for companionship, a longing just to be known. It's called crowded loneliness. When you are surrounded by people, but you feel like nobody really knows you. When you sit in an airport lounge or a shopping mall and there's a buzz of people, but you feel like you're invisible and no one knows you or cares about you. And it can happen here at church. Uh, You walk into church and you feel like you never really belong and no one would really miss you. Uh, You mingle after church and you have superficial chats, but it it doesn't satisfy that deep inbuilt longing for deep, real relationships. But everyone's so busy. Uh, We rush around doing more and more stuff and we're stretched so thin. We have no time, no bandwidth to really get to know people. So we have connections, but we don't have community. You know, God never intended us to be alone. God never intended us for isolation. It's why the the pandemic words of of social distancing or self-isolating, they're so jarring. The core of every human being is that need for other people. We have this inbuilt desire to feel like we belong somewhere, we are known and we know other people. We need other people to do life together. I've got four C's for us today. Number one, we are created for community, created for community. Let's go back to the beginning, Genesis 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God created. Remember that? Uh, With profound power and apparent ease, God created everything. From the light, to the land, to the sun, to the sky, to the fish, to the birds, the animals. And the apex, the, the centerpiece, the masterpiece of creation was us, human beings. Our key verse for this whole series is Genesis 1 verse 26. And then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness. Verse 27, so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. Verse 26 is a really weird verse. Let us make mankind in our image. Not let me make mankind in my image, but let us. Who is the us? It's not God and the angels. It's not many gods. There's only one God. But he's one God in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. 
There is one God, but he is a triune community within himself. There is one God, but Father, Son, and Spirit enjoy this interdependency, this relational connectivity, this depth of community. That's what Jesus said in John 15, as the Father has loved me. So the Father loves the Son, and the Father loves the Holy Spirit, and the Son loves the Spirit. They just love each other. That famous verse in 1 John chapter 4, God is love. God is love. So love isn't just something that God does. Love is something that God is within himself. He's a loving community. The Puritans used to say God is in himself a sweet society. So friends, God didn't need to create human beings to have community. He always had community within himself. But it's like God saw and says that community is so good and so rich and so beautiful that he's going to create human beings in his relational image to enjoy community with him and with each other. So being created in the image of God means we have this inbuilt relational connectivity and capacity, this social dimension and desire, this longing deep within, stamped within our DNA for community. Now let me ask you, what's the first crisis in the Bible? I think 95% of Christians would say it's Genesis chapter 3 called the fall. That's not quite right. Remember in Genesis 1, as God looked at his creation, he kept on saying, it is good, it is good, it is good, it is very good. But in Genesis chapter 2, you zoom into the creation of humanity, of man, And there's one verse in Genesis 2 which is jarring. It shocks us. Genesis 2 verse 18. God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. It's not good. Something's not quite right. There's a problem. It's called aloneness. Now, sure, Adam is surrounded by the perfect creation with the perfect relationship with God. He's got man's best friend, the animals. But he lacks something. He's not complete. He lacks companionship. He needs other human beings. And so God created woman, not from the dust, but from the rib, a helper, equal in value, equal in dignity, equal in worth, a co-helper, a friend, a companion. And this is not only the first male-female couple, this is the first human community. This is the way it was meant to be. It's not good for us to be alone. It's not good for us to be isolated. That yearning for relationships and companionship is a right desire. I'm not talking about marriage. I'm talking about community. Now, I don't care if you're introverted or extroverted. You need people. That longing at our core to be known and to know other people is what we're meant to be. It's been said you cannot truly bear the image of God without being part of a community. The American theologian Frederick Buechner said this, you can survive on your own, you can grow strong on your own, you can prevail on your own, but you cannot become human on your own. So we're creative for community. Number two, there's a crisis in our community, a crisis in community. Let me ask you, who is your community? 
Who are the people that you really do life with? Who are the people who know you and you know them? The crisis started back in Genesis 3. When sin entered the world, it destroys and distorts that relational connectivity. Paul Tripp expresses it best. We were not created to be independent, autonomous, or self-sufficient. We were made to live in a humble, worshipful, and loving dependency upon God, and in a loving and humble interdependency with other people. Our lives were designed to be community projects. Yet the foolishness of sin tells us that we have all that we need within ourselves. And so we settle for relationships that never go beneath the casual. We defend ourselves when the people around us point out weaknesses or struggles. We hold our struggles within, not taking advantage of the resources God has given. I think he's right. We've bought into this cultural lie that we don't need other people. Here's my summary of the crisis. We're a mobile society. And so we think nothing of moving to a new city or a new country for a new job or a new adventure. And we don't stop and think about the impact on relationships or the destruction of community. It's crazy. About 15% of Sydney relocates every year. They just pull up roots and put down new superficial roots somewhere else. Same in church. About 20% of Christians change their church every two years. So we have a truckload of casual contacts and a truckload of superficial connections, but we lack deep, lasting relationships where you do life together. We're mobile and we're just so busy. We're so busy at being so successful, we've got limited time for people. There's no spontaneous fun times. Everything is squeezed into our schedule. Friends and family just get the dregs. We have all these networks of school and church and family and sport and work, and we're stretched so so thin. We're present with people, but we have no deep relationships. And it's kind of crazy. We look at cultures where... They just enjoy hanging out together, uh, endless hours of cups of tea and conversations, and we almost call them lazy. We're mobile, we're busy, we're a very private society, we're very good at putting up walls. You don't want to be too open or too vulnerable. It's safer to sort out your own problems or pay a professional to do that. And we're a digital society. We'll look more at this next week on the topic of technology But for all the good of technology, it is destroying community. People sit in the same room with each other, glued to their own devices. A deep, meaningful conversation is is interrupted by a frivolous notification. We know what's happening in the lives of other people all around the world, but we don't really know each other. And that craving for physical touch, sight, smell, it leaves an ache in our soul. And we bought the lie of individualism. This life is my life and no one else's life and I can do what I want, what's best for me and it will not impact other people. That is a lie. We need other people. And what you and I do does impact other people. Here's a crazy stat for you. Solo dining now accounts for 35% of all restaurant bookings in Sydney. I see individuals in marriages, 
Two people who want all the benefits of marriages but want to be fiercely independent, autonomous individuals. It never works. I see it in friendships. People are being so selfish, thinking, what can I get out of this? What is best for me? And sadly, I see it in church. More people are saying, I don't need church. It's about my life and my faith and my walk with Jesus. I don't need other people to tell me what to do and what not to do. That's the crisis. And the result is deep, deep loneliness. In 2018, the UK government employed a minister for loneliness uh, because the research showed that half the population suffered deep loneliness. And the the impact was huge. Uh, Prolonged isolation is said to shorten your lifespan by up to 15 years. The equivalent of smoking 15 cigarettes per day. I'm not talking about solitude. Spending time alone is actually a good thing. The Lord Jesus Christ went alone to be with his heavenly Father. That's a good and important thing for every one of us, to seek solitude somewhere. Just you and God with your Bible open, deep in prayer. That's a beautiful thing. I'm talking about loneliness. It's difficult to define, but we know how it feels. It's that feeling of being alone when you're surrounded by crowds of people. It's that feeling of being unknown. It's that feeling that you never belong and nobody cares. It's that feeling of just wanting someone to pick up the phone and say, are you okay? It's that feeling. You just want a group of people who you know will be there for you. That's the crisis. Number three, the circles, the circles of community. God in his kindness has provided all these different spheres, these circles where you can get to enjoy community and all are good. We need a community that's called family. Our earthly families. That first community that every individual gets to enjoy. Your mum, your dad, your brothers, your sisters, your, your grandparents, your extended families, your aunts, your uncles, your cousins. Now, God created human families. The Lord Jesus Christ was born into an earthly family. It's a vital community. Now, read your Bibles. God affirms marriages as a community. When a man and woman come together, he says in Ephesians 5, husbands love your wife and wife respect your husband. That community of faithful, committed, interconnectedness is a beautiful thing. God affirms children. Ephesians 6 verse 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honour your father and mother. This is a first commandment with a promise, so it may go well with you and you may enjoy a long life on earth. So no matter how old we are, if our parents are still alive, we're called to honour them in the Lord. And if you're ageing, we're called to care for our ageing parents. If they're widowed, we're called to care for them as a family. God affirms parenting. Ephesians 6 verse 4, Fathers, don't exasperate your children. Bring them up in the teaching and the training of the Lord. It's that privilege of educating, teaching, and caring for kids, and we don't outsource everything. So our earthly family should be a, a beautiful community, a place of relational richness, a safe place to be and to be known. A safe place where kids can experience love and learn how to love others well. 
No, no, trust me. I know that families can be dysfunctional and messy. My birth family was and is. And I know that many of us have broken relationships with our family and it is so painful to talk about. But, but a, a functional family is a real gift from God. That earthly community where you get to belong. And I love to see multi-generational gatherings where you learn and love with each other. Maybe the Spirit of God is prompting you right now to spend more time with your earthly families, to enjoy each other, to care for each other. Or maybe the Spirit is prompting you to reach out into a broken family, to heal a wound, to heal a hurt. So so families are a beautiful community, but as good as marriage and family is, it was never intended to be your only community. Can you imagine if there's only one bridge into Sydney and every car and every truck had to drive over that one single bridge? Uh, The weight that bridge would have to carry is crazily impossible. Same with marriage and family. It was never intended to carry the weight for all your relational needs. That's why we've got friendship. Friendship is a beautiful community. Friends are the people that you do life with who console you in your sorrows, who celebrate your joys and your victories, people who get you, people who are reliable, who fill your relational tank. It's been said that you can't choose your family, but you can choose your friends. And God says, choose your friends very carefully. Proverbs 13, verse 20. He who walks with the wise grows wise, but a companion of fools suffers harm. You know that. Your your community of friendships, they will influence you for good or for bad. So choose friends who are reliable. I love Proverbs 17, verse 17. A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for a time of adversity. Or Proverbs 18, verse 24, one who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin. But there is a friend who sits closer than a brother. That's the joy of friendships, people who are reliable, who love you in the good and the bad, who walk alongside you. Uh, Personally, I'm so thankful for a community of deep friendships who have walked alongside me, they've sat and cried with me, and they've rejoiced at my happiness. So choose reliable friends who offer wise advice. Proverbs 27, verse 6. Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. Or Proverbs 27, verse 9. Perfume and incense bring joy to the heart, and the pleasantness of a friend springs from their heartfelt advice. It is such a joy to have friends who will say the hard things to us who will point out your errors and your faults, who who love you enough to call you to account on things. Wounds from a friend can be trusted. We all need a community called friendship. People who will just love us to bits. I think friendship community is a gift from God. But again, I wonder whether we're losing the art of friendship. We're so busy, we don't have time for friends. We have acquaintances, but not deep friendships. We're so mobile, it just takes years to cultivate a depth of friendship. 
Or maybe the problem is with our culture. As a culture, we tend to sexualize any kind of intimate relationship. In the Bible, there are four types of love for God. There's an eros love, there's an agape love, there's a brotherly love, and there's a, a friendship love. That intimacy between two human beings called friendship. Remember Jonathan and David? So close, so intimate. They loved each other as brothers. Remember Jesus and Peter, James and John, or Jesus and Lazarus? We need to cultivate deep friendships. I could go on, I could talk about neighbours, the people that God places on your street or in your apartment block, and yet many of us don't even know their names. I could talk about work. We'll talk about our work communities in a few weeks' time. But God has created this whole truckload of different communities, family, friends, neighborhoods, work. But there's one community, one vital community, the primary community, and it's called the church, the church community. I remember when I first became a Christian 30 years ago, a born-again believer, And I was blown away by this new community. I had brothers and sisters in Christ. I had parents in Christ. And I experienced a depth of belonging like never before. That's the way it was meant to be. Think back to the book of Acts. After the resurrection, when the Holy Spirit had come, when the gospel goes out and the church of Christ was born, and the community of believers gathered together daily, for teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread, and for prayer. And no one was in need. They shared their possessions. And they gathered together as community in homes. Men, women, boys, girls, young, old, rich, poor, Jews, Gentiles, single, married, slaves, and free. Such diversity, but there's a unity in Christ because we are, we are family. We are family. That's how the Bible describes his church as the family. 1 Timothy chapter 5, treat older men as fathers, treat older women as mothers, treat younger men as brothers, and treat younger women as sisters with absolute purity. Or Ephesians, or 1 Corinthians 12, the picture is God's family is a body where we are interdependent, we need each other. We're family. This is the, the community that every human being desperately needs it's called the church the church is God's sort of show and tell to the world of how God wants us to live as a family it's easy to become a member of a church you just belong to Jesus but it's not just believing in Jesus it's belonging it's not good for us to be alone spiritually believe me I tried it I spent almost a year in the US many years ago doing a postdoc And I visited churches every single Sunday, but I never really belonged. And when no one knows you, it's easy to pretend because you have no relationships. It's easy to drift. John Wesley said the Bible knows nothing about solitary religion. Now that phrase could be confronting for some people. I know some people, and you really like online church. You really like sitting watching church in your pyjamas or drinking a cup of tea or multitasking and not having other people. Maybe you like podcasting a sermon or putting on worship music. It's a good thing, but it's not church. Because church is about relationships. Belonging, you matter to other people. You are known and you know other people. Using your gifts and your wisdom to build up God's kingdom, that is church. 
Remember Hebrews 10, it was read for us. Famous verse, do not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. Keep meeting together. Why? Because we're not just a crowd of individuals. We're a family and we need each other. We need to meet for praise and worship and for rejoicing in blessing and weeping in pain. There's a woman who was visiting Canada and she desperately wanted to go hiking in the mountains. But she said, I, I know I can't go on a hike because the bears will attack me. And this man said, no, no, no. The bears only attack you when you're on your own. Of course you can go hiking. We're going to go together in a group. And the bears don't attack then. We're going to stick together. It's safer together. That's why you need church community. Because the devil, Satan, is prowling around like a roaring lion. He's seeking to, to devour you and cause you to drift and to wander. There's false teachers abounding your own sin. You're blind to it. You need other people to gather together to help you to keep on focusing on Jesus. We need Hebrews 10 to encourage each other, to encourage one another. You can't encourage other people without a community. In fact, most of the New Testament commands are things you cannot do on your own. Be kind to one another. Bear with one another, forgive one another, carry one another's burdens, rejoice with one another, weep with one another, pray for one another. You can't do any of those things without a community. Hebrews 10 again. Let's consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Let's stop and think and consider how can I help somebody else and provoke somebody else to love God more and to do good deeds? How can I love one another? See, the church community, it is so countercultural because the church community should be other person centered. It's not what can I get out of church, but what I can give to other people. It's not who will look after me, but who can I look after. I don't know, maybe that's why you are struggling to feel like you belong in a church community because your mindset is so selfish and me centered. Or maybe it's because you never stick at one church long enough. Some people change churches more quickly than they change their sheets. As soon as they're disappointed or vaguely hurt or expectations are not met, then they're out of there. The ancient Christian monasteries had this thing called a vow of stability, a vow of stability, a vow to stick with your faith community for the long haul. Now, I know that people are messy and Relationships are messy and church is messy and even painful, but this is family. I've been here for 16 years and I've walked alongside some people for 16 long years and it has been wonderful. The highs and the lows, the sufferings, the struggles, the sickness, the tragedies and the joys of life. That is community. We need church. You cannot grow in your wisdom and knowledge and holiness and godliness without other people around you. We need family. And that's why this season of lockdown is so painful. We're created for community, and as a new creation, we're created for the church community. I want to briefly add one more sneaky C, and I'll call the musicians up as I finish. It's Christ. Christ himself. The Lord Jesus Christ is your ultimate community because friends will let you down. 
and family will let you down. And church will let you down. They won't always be there. They won't always get it right. They will disappoint and annoy and hurt you and harm you. And that's why you need the Lord Jesus Christ. He is your greatest friend. He's your greatest friend. John 15, greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. And that's what the Lord Jesus Christ did for you. Lay down his life for you. He shed his blood for you. And he calls you his friend. Not just your saviour, but your friend, your brother, your co-worker, your co-heir. And the Lord Jesus Christ promises never to leave you and never to forsake you and never to abandon you so you never walk alone. If you have no family and no friends and no church, the Lord Jesus Christ, he'll be there. He cares. He listens. He heals. He helps. He's wise. He soothes your weary souls. And it's cliched, but in the darkest hour of the lowest of loneliness, you are never, ever, ever alone. And then one day, one day on that great day when we gather around his throne, in his presence, you'll experience a perfect community, the eternal community. So please, please don't settle for casual connections. You were created for deep community. That's the way we were meant 